Well, glory to God. Somebody say first things first. Turn in your Bible to two passages of Scripture, Matthew 5 and then Romans 4. I think Matthew 5 and Romans 4, uh, and I'll try to get through this pretty quickly. The last, let me just say, if you missed last Sunday, go online, go to our website, C-O-T-R North Beverly. Now, uh, Beverly's, she's styling and profiling, not only because it's her birthday, but she's got a, in her purse, bona fide iPhone 7, She'll never run out of space again. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Man, uh, it, 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 hopefully. And if she fills that one up, Stacey, we're just going to take it and throw it away because she can no longer have a phone. Uh, but uh, she's got a new... But when we were getting her her phone yesterday, we talked to the little gal. And, you know, she lives just right down the street here. And before we left, I said... I'll call her name. I don't know her last. I said, Brittany... Uh, do you mind if I become a nosy pepper for just a moment with you? She, she looked at me funny. I said, you know what a nosy pepper is, don't you? She said, no. I said, that's somebody that gets jalapeno business. And she kind of smiled. I said, I'm a, as you know by now, I'm a pastor of Church on the Rock. I said, where do you live? She said, I just live kind of down here between uh, the mall and Lumberton. I said, oh, you are so close to us. Do you go to church anywhere? She said, you know, we don't. My husband and I married from different faiths. So they've got, she has a 15-year-old and then a pretty young one, 11-month-old. Uh, she's got two, I mean, just stretched them out. And, I, and she said, we just never have connected. We just need some place where we both fit. I said, I think I'm your guy. And so she has to work today. But people like Brittany are all around us. And they should be our priority. So, so I want you uh, to reach out to other people uh, and, uh, just, and just bring them here, but then target them uh, if, if you need to, to for May, fit, uh, pardon me, March 5th. So it's going to be a great time. Are you in Matthew 5 and Romans 4? Last week, this, oh, and this, this is what made me think of Brittany. Uh, I told her about our website, and I want you, if you missed last Sunday, I want you to go to our website, uh, and you can watch the video or you can listen to the audio, right, Ike? Uh, you can do either one. So the video is there or the audio. So cotrnorth.com, I gave it to her. I hope she's listening to me this morning for last week. But uh, So catch up. This is important. This first things first is not just another sermon series P. Sam came up with that kind of good for the new year. I really believe. I'm telling you, I really believe this is a word from God for each of us that if we can get our, get our lives in order, learn to live life in the right order, things begin to change drastically in our life and in our church. And so with that in mind, here's our key verse that, in fact, uh, uh, Eli, Eli's not here. He's already in her, uh, where are the Kellums at? They're somewhere. There they are right there in the second row. I told uh, uh, everybody, because the kids were with us last week, I said, this is your homework. Memorize this verse. And Eli took it to heart. And this morning, in fact, his mom texted me, said he wants to talk to you before church because he wanted to quote Matthew 6.33, and he did. Eli's how old? He's six. And so Eli's six. Eli got it. How about you? Everybody say, Eli's just six, and he got it. How about you? So if you didn't get it like Eli got it, here we go. Let's all read it together. Matthew 6, 33. You better get this. There will be, in fact, when he heard me say this last Sunday, he got nervous, I think. He said, there will be a test. 
There will be a test. Matthew 6, 33. Let's all quote it together. Let's read it together. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Say it again. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I'm telling you, when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, which Matthew 6, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, uh, there's a whole lot of great insight there. Uh, but uh, in the context, it's cool thing about scripture when you're preaching and you're and you're thinking and you're meditating on a certain uh, principle of life it seems like passages of scripture began to envelop themselves around that thought and and, and the word of God is multifaceted and have multi meanings and applications and so in this series I really believe the Sermon on the Mount can really be a whole lot about the priorities of life that we all need so so the homework is this month is is just read and meditate on uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and just read it through the lens, if you will, of the priority of God in our life, okay? And setting our priorities and making first things first. And this verse right here is just the keynote verse, really not only for the month, but I think we ought to get it for, for this year. This is our verse for the year. Everyone say it together out loud. Here we go. Matthew six thirty three says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Just quickly last Sunday, I gave you some thoughts and insights. The, the first one is God is a God of order and structure. He really is. In fact, when you look at the universe, you go, Shazam, he's got it all in charge. In fact, Hebrews says he, he holds all things together by the word of his authority. Last week, we, we learned this. God's word is a book of priorities. As we look at in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, but also think about even the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments, the first few of them are about priorities. And the first one is making God the top priority. You shall, what is it, Josh? Have no other gods before me. In other words, he's in charge. He's top priority. The book, God's Word is a book of priorities. Jesus lived a prioritized life. You look at his life, he kept everything in right priority. And even as a little boy, when his parents lost him uh, and went two days journey uh, away from, from the city, they looked at each other and all the crowd was, where's, where's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus? Yeah, I mean, two days away. And I can see Joseph and Mary looking at each other going, I thought you had him, I thought you had him. No, we better go back. And they found him in the temple talking with the scribes and the Pharisees. And they said, you know, Jesus, what on earth? He said, don't you know that I must be about my father's business in other words he had a priority in life jesus lived a prioritized life and then he taught us to live a prioritized life in fact you look at the teachings of jesus just like we're doing right here matthew 6 33 he taught us to live a prioritized life and so first things first somebody say first things first so with that in mind, uh, let me just say this about today. We're going to look at this verse again, Matthew 6, 33. Let me give you this thought. Living life in the right order can only be accomplished by way of His righteousness. Look what Jesus said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His what? Whose righteousness? His righteousness. Uh, listen, uh, our righteousness is no bueno. Everybody say no bueno. 
His righteousness is what we need. And evidently, because Jesus, when he, when he gave this verse about prioritizing our life, he gave you a twofold kind of a, uh, you know, punch here. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That is his governance and lordship and authority in your life and in your family. And not only his governance and lordship and authority in your family, but his righteousness, which means basically becoming more and more like him. Are you with me? Say amen. And so uh, up to this point, as Jesus began his ministry, humanity, if you will, and religious, the religious world of the day were endeavoring, endeavoring and hopelessly in, uh, attempting to become righteous. But how many of you know the scripture says there's none righteous? No, not one. So you cannot be righteous in and of yourself. There's only one righteous one. In fact, Isaiah 64 verse 6 says, but it says this, but we are all like an unclean thing and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. Somebody say filthy rags. Now, uh, I'm going to give you a word picture that the Bible does. I'm not going to take you anywhere the Bible doesn't take you, but I'm going to take you where the Bible takes you so you can get the real picture here about filthy rags. All, and this is... Is it okay if I do that? Okay. If you get offended, then it's just the Bible offending you. All our righteousness are like filthy rags. That is, you want to know the real translation, menstrual cloths. Okay, we'll move on now. I knew you'd. I knew. That's what it means. In other words, there's no way, there's no way, we're, there's none righteous, no, not one. But up to that point, up really to where Jesus enters the picture, humanity's been trying to be legalistic about it and become righteous. In fact, if you look in Matthew chapter 5, uh, he would, uh, you would hear Jesus say this. You've heard that it was said this, but I tell you this. You've heard that it was said this, and he's quoting uh, the Old Testament. And what was happening in that day is the religious leaders of that day who were trying to, who, who were trying to to uh, uh, be keepers of the law and be righteous in and of themselves, which they couldn't do it. You just can't do it. Okay. You can't keep it all. It's impossible. And that's what the law was there for. It was there just kind of as a babysitter till Jesus come, came. And then the law was there really to show us that there's none righteous. No, not one. We can't keep the law. Uh, you can't keep it all, but people would confess to keeping the law. And they would say, you've heard that it was said this and what the religious leaders of the day were, they were taking the law and twisting it, uh, to allow it to, to say something, uh, that it didn't say so they could say they were righteous. And it, and so from that time until now, humanity had been trying to figure out how to be righteous to no avail. And so here comes Jesus and he says this. I, I want to tell you, this was revolutionary to people who had been trying to keep the law, to trying to be righteous. This is revolutionary because they were trying to be righteous in their own strength and it wasn't working. It's just not working. And so Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because in reality, all your righteousness is as filthy rags. So here we go. Let me Now let me bring that into prioritized living, okay? Because Jesus brought it into prioritized living. And if we're, if we're going to live a prioritized life, living life in the right order can only be accomplished by living under the governance and the guidance and the banner of his righteousness. Now, I want to tell you that truth right there ought to set you free this morning. Anybody got set free just a little bit? Go, hallelujah, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. Because, listen, you can't obey all the rules. 
You'll never obey all the rules, but if you learn to live under the governance of His lordship and authority and tap into His righteousness, I'm telling you, the priorities of God will begin to align in your life. So let me let me break it down for you. Turn to Romans 4 and 5. Let me show you this. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, keep going till you get to Romans Romans chapter 4 and 5, it talks about the father of our faith and his name was? The father of our faith, his name was? Abraham, okay? Now, I'm, I would encourage you to really read Romans 4 and 5. Uh, really read all, but in this context, read it. I'm just going to give you the highlights here because I want you to see something. If you don't get this, you'll, you'll always try to be make, being righteous in your own strength. Here we go. Romans chapter four, verse one, it talks about Abraham. What then shall we say that Abraham, our father has found, uh, our father has found according to the flesh. For if Abraham was justified, that is declared righteous by works, He has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Somebody say, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. Now catch this. And it was accounted to him for Abraham. Everybody say, Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now that's a big, that's a big verse right there. It, he says it again over in chapter, uh, in the latter parts. Uh, and I'll just, uh, gosh, I would love to read more of this, but look in verse 22. And therefore, here it is again, speaking of Abraham, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now you may have a verse that says it was imputed to him. How many of you got a different word than accounted? Anybody got different? Oh, you got imputed? Uh, and let me give you this understanding because remember all our righteousness is as what filthy rags. So here's what it says about Abraham. And this is the word impute or account. Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him or accounted to him another. And here's what this really means. It means that which is in one or someone else is being transferred or ascribed to another. Because Abraham believed God, God took his righteousness. Follow me here, this is huge. God took his nature, his righteousness, and just put it in Abraham. Imputed it into him. Abraham didn't earn it. Abraham didn't work for it. It was just imputed. Are you with me? Say amen. Though Abraham was not righteous in his own life, he did what was necessary to live within the realm of God's righteousness. And God's righteousness was imputed imputed, imparted, if you will, accounted to us. And when people look at Abraham, they see the righteousness of God. They don't see righteous Abraham. They see the righteousness of God. How many of you want some of that right there? Look at your neighbor and say, how many of you want some of that going on? Uh, I got good news. Here we go. Uh, Gosh, I wish you could read all of this, but here we go. What about us? Romans 4, uh, it says, and therefore, verse 22, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. In other words, this wasn't just for Abraham. Look at your neighbor and say, this wasn't just for Abraham. Abraham was no more special than you are. Are you with me? 
He was no more special than you or I. He just believed God and and it was accounted to him, (coughs) pardon me, for righteousness. And so follow me. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. Somebody say for us. What am I talking about? Living a life of right priorities, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You got to know this in order to live a prioritized life under the banner of God. But it's also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him. His righteousness will be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised up because of our justification. Somebody say justification. That, you know, a good understanding of that word, just as if I'd never sinned. If you've been justified, it's just as if you'd never sinned. And you don't earn that. You don't work for it. You believe God and trust God and he imputes it into your life. And look what verse one of verse chapter five. Therefore, having been justified by what? Not justified by not smoking, chewing, going with the girls that do. Not justified by just saying nope to dope. Not justified because I come to church at least 50% of the time by my, not justified because I live a pretty good life. Listen, uh, you can live a great life. You can love people and do good in the world. And if you're not justified, you're going to split hell wide open because we can't get good enough to get to God. Are you with me? Say amen. And so for us, to live the priority. When Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, his governance and guidance and lordship in our life and his righteousness. See, we got to change the way we look at life. I got to do better. I got to be better. You can't be any better without his mercy and grace and trusting him and living a life of faith on planet earth. His his righteousness, in fact, the more we trust him, the more he is able to impart and impute into our life. The more we become like him, the more more faith you begin to exhibit in life, the more of his likeness you take on. Are you following me? So with that in mind, let me tell you a little bit about faith because if that's what we've got to do, hey, here it is. Faith is a gift that begins to develop as an attribute of our heart. In fact, here's what we need to understand about faith. The Bible says it's allotted unto every man a measure of faith. In other words, God gave it to us. Faith is a gift from God. Are you with me? Follow me. Your capacity to believe is not in and of your own nature, uh, but God gives it as a gift. In fact, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, follow these verses quickly. For by grace, that's God's unmerited favor, you are saved through what? Faith. For by grace you are saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. And so God gives us faith. And as we begin to exercise our faith and we trust God more and more as Abraham trusted God more and more day in, day out, it was imputed to him and it's imputed to us for goodness sakes that we become the righteousness of God in Christ. Whoo. And it becomes an attribute of our heart. Romans 10, 9 and 10, Paul said this. He said, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that's lordship, and believe in your 
that he rose from the dead, you would be saved. See, that faith becomes uh, operational. It becomes an attribute of our heart and in our life where, where, let me just tell you, a lot of people, the default, some of you have defaults in your life that when the first thing to go wrong, you default towards fear and doubt and worry. It's just the way we're, it's just the way where our nature is. Something goes terribly wrong, the default, oh God, what am I going to do? Listen, that needs to change. If you want to live like Jesus, if you want to be righteous, if you want your priorities to get in line, and oh, oh, let me just, and in case that's boring you for a second, let's finish, go back to Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be just added into you. That word added, if you missed last week, means it'll just be annexed into your life. All of a sudden, whoo, there's peace. Oh, whoo, there's provision. Whoo, there's joy. Whoo, there's, I'm telling you, he just annexes all his benefits fits into your life if you get your priorities straight. Are you with me? Say, yeah. <laughs> it becomes an attitude of the heart. One more verse and then I'm, I'm going to bring it, I'm going to break it on down. Here we go. Proverbs 3, my favorite set of verses, uh, in, in, especially in Proverbs 5 and 6. Watch this because faith and, and, and trust and the heart, trust in the Lord with all your and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. It's a, it's, it's a gift from God that develops into an attribute of our heart where when trouble comes, I say when trouble comes, the default of our life is not cussing and fighting and fussing and carrying on and complaining, but it's confidence and trust in God. Let me back up to Abraham for just a moment. Look back in chapter 4, verse verse 19. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. You see, God spoke to him uh, when it was too late that Sarah would have a, a son and his seed would, would be as the sand of the sea and, and as the stars of the sky. Abraham was not weak in faith. Come on now. I'm telling you, 2017, it's time we stop being weak in faith. It's time for the default of our life. To rise up beyond the circumstances and the situations, what we see with our eyes and say, I don't care what I see with my eyes. I know what's in my heart. And my default is I trust him implicitly. He didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that he who had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. And so living a prioritizing righteous life is done by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, for we walk by, not by. This is where righteous living begins. This is where priorities take place. This is where the reprioritization of our life takes place. It's not just taking out the trash every every day it, I'm not, and being a little disciplined. It's about changing the way 
our heart works and our mind thinks. It's by reaching out and trusting God and and engaging the faith, the gift of faith that he's given all of us. 2017's got to be at that year where we just say, I am going to trust him in every area of my life. I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. Beverly and I used to sing an old chorus uh, and, and when we were young growing up in the, in the, uh, in the what you might call the charismatic renewal days, we would sing, my heart, my mind, my body, my soul. That pretty much includes every part of us. I give to thee, take control. I give my body a living sacrifice. Lord, take control. Take control. That song was a song of trust. It was a song of priorities. My heart, my mind, my body, my soul, everything a part of me. I give to you, take control. I'm trusting you. I give my body as a living sacrifice. Lord, take control. Take control. 2017, we need need to engage our faith, the the faith he's given us. How many of you know God's given you a measure of faith? And when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, you can turn back there. I'm going to hit some things quickly. If you want to go back to Matthew chapter 5, 5, 6, and 7. I want to show you some areas. If you look at the Sermon on the Mount from from the standpoints of priorities and choosing to trust God, Jesus, his real first recorded message, he's teaching us to trust him in all kinds of weathers, if you will. And so we've got to engage our faith and choose in 2017 to trust him. If we can't trust him, we can't be like him. If we can't be like him, we can't be righteous. If we can't be righteous, uh, then we'll never get our priorities in order and we'll be frustrated and the provision and the plan of God will be stifled in our life. Look at somebody else and say, we've got to get first things first. Here they are. Just some thoughts from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus taught us to engage our future in an atmosphere of faith by choosing to trust Him in the troubling times. He says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, He said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know what he was saying. Look at your neighbor and say, you know what he was saying. In the middle of troubled times, you just have to trust me. Because if you'll just follow through, you're going to be very happy. It's going to turn out good for you if you'll just choose to trust me. Jesus taught us to trust him in the troubling times. He taught us to trust him in the toiling times. When it's just work-a-day world and when we put our shoulder to the plow. Look in Matthew 5, verse uh, 16. He said this, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He's... teaching us to trust him in the toiling times when we put our shoulder to the plow and realize it's going to take some work in 2017 to, to, to reap the harvest of God. It's going to take some effort, some energy, some blood, sweat, and tears for us to work the work and just do the, do the work of the Lord. But I promise you something, if we'll trust him in that, he will take good care of us. 
Jesus taught us to trust Him in the tempting times. When the enemy comes to draw us away, verse 27, chapter 5, He said, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her uh, uh, in his heart, lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What's he dealing with? A heart issue. Why have we got to deal with a heart issue? Because that's where faith works. And ultimately, what you need to understand is what Jesus was saying here. Listen, it's not just about uh, uh, not committing the actual act of adultery. It's about letting Jesus take charge of your brains and of your thoughts and choosing to trust him and to sing along with O.P. Sam, my heart, my mind, my body, my soul. I give to you, take control. I'm not going to yield to the temptations of this world this year because if I yield to the temptations of the world this year, if I just become the same old sinner I was last year and just hope God have mercy on my sin field. We're all natural born sinners, but listen, we have Jesus, the righteous one living on the inside of us. And we have the authority to, (coughs) pardon me. That's what this is for. We have the authority to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. Why? Because he's living inside of us. He taught us to trust him in troubling times, Toiling times, tempting times. And he taught us to trust him in trying or testing times. Matthew 6, 25, and many different places in this sermon. He says, verse 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Look at somebody and say, you're a lot better than birds. You're better than birds, man, I'm telling you. That's what Jesus said. If I take care of these birds, I'm going to take care of you. And uh, hey, uh, don't worry about money. Don't worry about resources. Don't worry about clothing. Don't get a, don't become so all these things. He, what did he say? Just if you, he said, if you'll just trust me, if you'll seek me first, get your priorities right. All these things that you're so worried about, they'll just be annexed into your life. Get your priorities straight. Are you with me? In fact, gosh, there's so much more. We've got to trust Him in the testing times. And then finally, trust Him in the telling times. Now, some of you won't understand this. Anybody ever heard of the phrase poker face? Everybody put on your best poker face. You know what it's referencing there is when you're, when you're playing poker. And I know nobody's ever done that. You don't want to show them your cards without showing them your cards. When you draw your cards, don't go, when when you get your cards and you got a good hand, you don't go. Now, there's some things in life that we go through that are telling times. How we react to the circumstances of life. And when those times come, 
You've got to trust him in the telling times because then, hey, because look at Matthew 5.11. Matthew 5.11, this is a telling time. Let's see what it says. It says this, blessed are when, uh, I already read it, blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you. When that goes on, you've got to trust him in those times and, 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 and just be happy. And don't tell the whole world. There's telling times. Are you with me? Look in verse 38 and 40 of that same chapter. Look here. He says, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other also. How many of you know that's telling times? When somebody reviles you and, 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 and hits you on the cheek and either verbally or... How many of you have ever been verbally abused? I'd rather sometimes I run some, somebody just slap me. Let's get it over with. But those are telling times. How are we going to react when life slaps us upside the head? When things don't go the way we want? Or here's another one. When people ask help of us. Verse 41, chapter 5. It says this, uh, uh, verse 40. And if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you. And for him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Listen, there's all kinds of relational telling moments in life where we interact with this world that so desperately needs Christ where where we've got to do is trust him in those times and be just like he would have us to be. Be his hands extended into a world that so desperately needs Christ. You see, living life under the influence and the governance of his righteousness must become our top priority in 2017. I'm going to say it again. Living life under the influence and the governance of his righteousness must become our top priority. And how that happens is if we just begin to live a life of faith. And when we begin to live a life of faith and begin to trust Him more than ever before, we become more like Him. And it's accounted, it's imputed to us as righteousness. You want to know one of the ways we've got to choose to trust Him? With our money. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life I've had more month than I had money. You've got to trust Him. He's Lord. And I'm so tickled today. Let me just tell you, I'm so tickled. This is not all about money, but I just saw this here. I'm so tickled today that I have something to give. That's why Paul said, don't give grudgingly. You know what I wish next week my tithe would be? $1,000. I wish my tithe was $10,000. I tell you, I'd be one of the happiest guys to put a $20,000 tithe check. Don't give grudgingly, but give hilariously happily. Trust Him. Are you with me? Say amen. So in 2017, the priority of our life Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these other things 
that bother us so much. Jesus said, just don't worry about it. If you get your priorities straight, don't worry about that. You don't have to worry about it if your priorities are right. He's in charge. I want to be more like him. And by faith, we're justified. Let's stand together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for your righteousness, Lord. All our righteousness really is as filthy rags. Lord, we can never be righteous in our own strength, but because of your mercy and grace. In fact, you said in your word that it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to your mercy that you saved us. By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Father, this day as we begin 2017, we want to begin 2017 focused on the priorities of God for our lives. And I pray here today if there's anyone here that has really never allowed you to be the Lord and the leader of their life, that today they would turn to you. Look full in your wonderful face and choose to trust you and believe you for their eternity. If you're here today and you've never really given your life to Christ, you never really yielded yourself to his governance and lordship, you may have walked an aisle at some point, you may have prayed a prayer, but nothing changed. Listen, it begins when you choose to trust him. For by grace you are saved. By God's unmerited favor, you're saved through faith. And that's not even of yourself. It's a gift of God. You've got to choose to trust Him with the faith that He's given you as a gift. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor, I, uh, I just want to make sure that I know Him and I'm on the right track. And I would like to just reconnect with Him and allow Him to be the Lord and the leader of my life. You can do that right where you stand today. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I just want to recommit my life or commit my life to the Lordship of Christ and invite Him into my life and into my future. In 2017, I want Him to be the Lord and the leader of my life. Lift your hand wherever you are. I'm going to pray with us all together. Amen. 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 Let's lift our God bless you. Let's all pray this prayer out loud together. Come on, let's join these who lifted their hands today. Let's all pray together. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I choose to trust you in 2017. I believe that you died for me on a cross. You paid a great price for my sin with your own blood. You rose again the third day so I could have a new life too. I put my trust in you. I give my life to you. You are the Lord of Lords. You are my Lord. And from this day forward, I'm going to put you at first place in my heart. I'm going to trust you in every area of my life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. let's give the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings some praise this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah.